This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to the podcast. Tommy, I'm going to come back to our usual. I'm going to ask you to reveal our episode. Pause. I'm just saying, oh. there's always a title to these. It's not like we're revealing it. Yeah, I was just going to say, ahead. it's not really a reveal, because if you just click on it, click it says on it before it. you can do it. You click <laughs> okay, on it, what you, you look at it. What do you got? Anyway, got? anyway, all right, today we're going to be looking at Alexander III of, Mastod- of Mastodon, otherwise known as Alexander the Great. Which, you know, he basically changed the nature of the ancient world in about a decade, a little yes. more than a decade. So he's, like, we've always said we want to do a little bit more world history once in a while on this. So, who, you know, as far as who influenced a lot of the ancient world history, it's Alexander the Great. So we figured might as well, uh, he's, he's as good as person as I need to divulge into. Everyone's heard of him. I'll uh, separate a little bit of the fact from some of the myth here. We'll talk about him. And um, talk about yeah, his death. All, we'll talk about like the, his death, know. his life, some of the things he did. Yeah. Because he was only alive, what, like 25 years? Short I thought amount he of time, 32. 30 years. I thought he was 30, 32. He died 30, 32, 32. He was king of everything by 25. I think yeah. that's what it was. You yeah, know, he literally like, conquered oh, most of the known world <laughs> by yeah, the time much. he was 30. Pretty much. That's and I always crazy. remember Alexander the Great from, um, you remember G.I. Joe? Didn't they like use his DNA to like make Sepentor? That's what I remember from that. Are you serious? I, I didn't remember that. Yeah, they take like oh, all the great like leaders and then they took Sergeant Slaughter also. Nah. That's kind of cool. that's what makes Sepentor. When I think of Alexander the Great, I think of three things. First thing I think about is the really, really bad movie that needed like four director cuts with uh, uh, Colin, Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of an odd that movie. That didn't quite work out for them. Uh, second thing I think about is our common best friend who is from Macedonia. But which not is Macedonia. A, exactly. But not this Macedonia, which is actually, well, that's the contended. The contention that's thing. the contended part. Yeah, like with the statues and all that other stuff, right? But they had to I give also- that up. Yeah, and well, I think we'll talk about it. We need to talk about that today. And yeah. also, uh, a little shout out to my student Nick, who is also a Macedonian, and him and I have a lot of very insightful conversations about whether Alexander the Great is from Macedonia, and if so, which Macedonia, and therefore, what is Macedonia. So let's just get right to our podcast. It's a whole bunch of done, right? Well, Alexander, he was born in Pella, right, the ancient capital of Macedonia, in July of three fifty six BC. He was the son of King Philip II of Macedon and his wife, uh, Olympias. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, everyone knows this. He was educated by by Aristotle. Um, so he was known for that. Uh, Philip actually conquers Greece, right? Philip II conquers Greece. And then Philip later on is actually assassinated in 336 BC. And then Alexander inherits the empire. And it was really powerful, but it was also very volatile. There was um, a lot of infighting and stuff like that. And he dealt with his enemies at home. Uh, pretty quickly and uh, mercilessly yeah. and um, reasserted that Macedonian power within Greece. They just like, listen, this, you know, because just because my father's dead and he was a young king doesn't mean that, you know, he's going to let the empire fall apart. And then yeah. he went out to, after he conquers, after he kind of reasserts his power in Macedonia and in Greece, then he's like, all right, now I'm going to go conquer the Persian empire at this point. Which takes him a while. It takes him a while. 
Well, Persia's huge. It's, it's not yeah. like, you know, it is going to take them a while. That's just what it was. But, um, well, you touched upon a lot of interesting things here. Yeah, I just I got that's kind of just like a beginning of it. There's a lot overview, to it. Yeah. If he was good or if he was bad, because a lot of people, when I was doing research, it says that, you know, he was good and bad. You know, he was bad in the sense that his legacy was the end of the Macedonian Empire that Philip and Alexander took so hard to build. But yet his legacy was also like a um, big for the Mediterranean world and for Greece, because those regions were plunged into warfare for like 40 years after he died, which we'll get to. Yep. Um, I mean, the first thing kind of just to really touch upon and maybe expand upon is the fact that at the age of 13, his father, King Philip, gets him a tutor who, yeah. like, we and, skipped and through Aristotle. This. I mean, Aristotle, kind of, yeah. like the Aristotle, like, That's is his tutor. his tutor. That's like having, like, like Einstein is like your math tutor. Yeah, literally. Like your personal tutor, yeah. basically. Yeah, yeah, basically. Which is insane. Also, his father, they said that the reason why his armies were so successful really stems from his father. His father's the one that... Well, he, yeah, they perfected the phalanx, right? That, that's what it was, the, right? The Greek phalanx, where they basically def, they perfected it. It's basically, if you know anything about like the military, I've seen a movie like 300 and stuff like that. It's like the shields. Each person protects the next person next to him with their shields. Mm-hmm. And if they're doing it purposely and um, they just perfected it, they had like longer spears and um, That's what it was. You keep, the, you keep the enemies yeah. away with the long spears. Yeah, it's what that's, it was. A lot of these battles, you just it was like it was like a pushing fight almost until one side broke, but the Macedonian phalanx basically never broke, and that's where they were able to just push their way through, conquer their way through. Yep, and that's like you said, that's that's something that his father Philip perfected, and therefore, kind of Philip's reforms is what left Alexander with basically the best army at the time of his succession. And you also mentioned quickly that Philip was assassinated. Philip was actually assassinated by one of his bodyguards. Um, there was a party going on and Philip was stepping out and they purposely didn't have his bodyguards too close to him because there was a lot of different uh, dignitaries there and whatnot. And Philip was supposed to kind of shake hands with them. And as Philip comes out, his one of his bodyguards runs up, stabs him in between the ribs and then starts running away. And then he eventually trips because supposedly there was like a horse waiting for him on the, like on the side there, but he never made it. He trips and the other bodyguards jump him and basically stab him to death. And at that point, um, you have Alexander the Great, you know, becomes the the leader. And Alexander the Great is really young at this time. I mean, there's a few things going against him. One, he's he's like 20. And also, he was only half Macedonian. And we should also, because his mom was too, not, right? Yeah, there's a lot of debate that maybe the mom. Um, poisoned the father. Poisoned or, or not poisoned, him, but or paid, paid the guy. Kind of yeah, yeah, wanted that to happen so that Alexander could become king. Yep, and that's also kind of played up a lot in that movie with uh, Colin Farrell. So yeah, his his struggle was very bloody. Um, he's another one of Philip's wives, and her daughter were um, murdered along with other two Macedonian princes. So he had to put down a lot of these like rebellious factions because he was only half Macedonian technically. Yep. So um, to to become the ruler of Macedonia. So let's get this out of the way. What's this Macedonia thing about? I mean, th- this is not the m- northern. Macedonia, the nation, the country, the country today. Yeah, this is not that. No. Okay. So if you look at maps, guys, Macedonia is a region um, of northern Greece, and it borders on a piece of land that gained its independence in 1991 from Yugoslavia. And this new country that was created in 1991 um, called itself the Republic of Macedonia. And very much from the very beginning, Greece was very upset about this because they believed that 
their region, which is actually below the nation of Macedonia, uh, which the Greeks also called Macedonia, where Alexander the Great kind of hails from. Um, the Greeks from 1991 thought of this as like almost like offensive. Like you can't take the name of our region and assume that Alexander the Great belongs to your new nation that was just created in 1991. However, people of Macedonia feel that Alexander the Great through conquest ultimately um, did take over the land where the nation of Macedonia is created. Therefore they have as much claim to Alexander and the name Macedonia as much as Greece. And obviously this was going back and forth since 1991 until very recently where Greece and the Republic of Macedonia struck a deal where they renamed um, the nation of Macedonia, the uh, Republic of Northern Macedonia. And therefore through that Greece also promised that they're going to um, what's I'm looking for, I guess, endorse the Northern yeah, support Ma- it, Northern yeah, Macedonia yeah. in joining the European union. However, a lot of people actually, based on my my research, like sixty to seventy percent of Greeks don't agree with this because they don't yeah, believe that right. any form of name Macedonia should exist in any nation. And also, like seventy to eighty percent of Northern Macedonians don't agree with the name change to Northern Macedonia. They like, and then they also had to give up claims to Alexander the Great. That yes. was another one of the things they have. They have to no longer say that's why they call Northern Macedonia. That's like a distinction now. Right now, that means that you are not. You're not laying claim to Alexander the Great, which previously they didn't. It was a lot of fighting. I remember um, reading articles and stories like people would go over to cross, go into Macedonia or go into Greece and like destroy the statues or steal the statues of Alexander the Great and bring them over to the other side and stuff like that. Like it's a real bone of contention. Like he's such a major, fat, major player, you know, in world history. That like these countries, you know, he belong. He we're we're part of that heritage. No, we're part of that heritage, and they go at it like it's it's a it's not like this is not something that they're just going to like agree to because a couple countries say say so. Yeah, I mean, they're literally arguing of who gets to the claim of basically claiming claim, yeah. of Alexander, Alexander Great, the Great. Yeah. yeah. And Macedonia, the nation of Northern Macedonia, is very much has very much embraced since 1991 has embrace alexander the great i mean we're talking like well, that's statues their to, everywhere yeah, that's, that's their, their they, well they, they think they're for two reasons one it became very popular two they were doing that really to also it was angering greece and they knew that so let's yeah. just pop up as many statues as we can of alexander the great if we have enough statues you know and that's are, not to say that alexander the great yeah and it's not to say that alexander the great was not in the nation of no Roman yeah yeah yes, yes, it was. was yeah he absolutely was yeah yeah it's just his ancient version of macedonia is not the same as the modern day version of macedonia Yes, yep, that, yep. that's that's the big thing to kind of understand. Absolutely. So, all right. So, Alexander the Great becomes um, he is twenty, by the way, when he uh, succeeds his father, King Philip II, after the assassination, and basically he begins almost right away this military campaign. Um, and by the as you mentioned, by the age of thirty, he creates one of the largest empires in history that stretches from Greece through like northwest India. So yeah, Greece, talk, India, which is huge, yeah, huge. Yeah. So let's let's talk about some of these these conquests, I guess. Um, the biggest one, the most known, um, that we really know and everyone talks about is the Persian conquest, right? He defeats uh, Darius III, right? Yep. Three thirty three BC. I said, yeah, and I had I found three thirty four BC, but still three thirty three thirty four. I mean, yeah. isn't it crazy? We're talking about things that happened, yeah, like, all these things, well over two thousand years ago. They said Alexander's army numbered fewer than forty thousand men. 
Yeah, he um, was always outnumbered, at least in these early battles. Yeah. Um, one thing that Alexander the Great did is after he defeated an army, he would basically give everyone the option of joining his army. Yep. So he said, like, all right, you, you can join my army now, which is something that other rulers did. And so his army would actually get bigger after these battles a lot of times. Yep. If you survived, then you were allowed to join his army. And then you said, and that's how his army grew. Yeah. And that's how they grew. And he knew that's how, that's why he could just keep on this campaign for 15 years because he was always adding fresh troops. And his troops were very loyal to him. They, they loved them. Did he you also, them everything. Right. And the one thing that I read about is that as a, because he was a military tactician, 100%. Yeah, I mean, very smart military. Yeah. That's why he got the nickname the Great, was because yeah. of his military strategies. He would fight like larger numbers. Um, with like smaller in, groups, in, though, that was the thing I groups. saw. He would yeah, he would find like the best battleground to fight them on and stuff like that. Yeah, he was a master. He was yeah, he was a master tactician in, on the battlefield. They also he used said his that advantages. his force was very versatile, and he always kept them small. So even as his army grew, he always subdivided into smaller units, like full of cavalry and heavy armored foot like foot soldiers. Um, and at, obviously, they always um, used the phalanx and spears and, and shields, but. It was always about smaller groups advancing relentlessly, basically uh, behind their shields into enemy yeah. lines. So they, they would keep split it. armies. Yeah. They would split armies yeah. all the time. These little forces would kind of go in, break armies in two and three, forcing yeah. the, the larger army to have to fight almost like on different fronts. Yeah, and these other armies weren't used to doing that. No. See, the phalanx could split up and then those individuals could fight as an individual phalanx. These yeah. other armies were used to fighting these big battles and these big formations. And when they got broken into smaller ones, they kind of like, it was almost like cutting the head off a snake. They weren't really sure what to do. And that's why they were able to get overwhelmed. Because Alexander, the whole time what they're doing it. So when there's confusion, he's pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward. And there's no way for them to really get their group and kind of like reorganize and figure out what to do. They get overwhelmed and that's it. And that strategy, you know, there's obviously variations of it, but that strategy worked for him for 15 years. He did not lose a battle. Yeah, He never lost a battle. Actually, I was going to say, we should bring that up. I mean, that's a, that's kind of a big deal, right? I mean, we glorify Washington. Washington didn't even win half of his battles. Yeah, if, Washington's if, made if, if that if, much. If that much. But like 15 years you don't lose, that's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> no, no matter what it is. <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you, know, you don't lose for 15 years and not even Tom Brady did that. So, Right. They're saying that because of the fact that the guy never lost, his military tactics and strategies are still studied at West Point and at military academies throughout the world. To this day, the guy did this over 2,000 years ago. First victory was at the age of 18. Like, I think of our students. This guy is conquering, like, kingdoms at 18. Very a very much known reputation of just quick, like, Blitzkrieg, the beginning of Blitzkrieg. You know, like, leading men into battle, impressive speed. And allowing the smaller forces to reach and break the enemy lines before his enemy really knew what was going on. So after securing a kingdom in Greece, and then he crosses into Turkey, he wins a series of battles with the Persians, right, under Darius III. So as he continues, um, he then goes south towards Egypt, and he seizes strategic ports in Egypt. And this is interesting because when he gets there, he is kind of honored as this god king, very much like the pharaohs of the old. Pharaohs, yeah, because he conquers them, yeah. Right, and they kind of see him as this like this amazing, you know, god from the Mediterranean. He advances east into Mesopotamia. He can't and be then, stopped. No, he can't be stopped. No way. If those are there, then I think that's the main a, ones, right? The main one he does that. Yeah. So over the next eight years, he's basically the king, politician, commander. All those. Um, he leads his army further, another eleven thousand miles. He finds uh, names over seventy cities after himself doing all this. All right. That was another thing. Yep. He yeah. loved that. Then, Every um, single so he starts, place he went. 
he named something. Yeah, then he gets goes into India, right? Mm-hmm. And he wanted to link this vast internet, um, basically create this international network of trade and commerce. Um, and this was led by United Greek Language and Culture. Although Alexander did adopt a lot of Persian um, culture himself, um, he, he adopts a lot of foreign, lot of foreign customs. He forced a lot of his commanding officers to marry uh, Persian yeah, women. To legitimize himself in the Persian Empire, yeah. Yeah. And he himself married a couple of Persian women as well, based on what I saw. Yeah, yeah a bunch. Yeah, but not his, like, not like his main love. His main love they were, actually He came... married them. They were, they were political marriages. They were basically yeah. there so he could solidify his power and legitimize himself in the, in the eyes of the people. So, Yeah. I mean, you have, as you mentioned, 70 cities named after him. The most famous one, obviously, is Alexandria still today um, in Africa. I mean, that's that was one of the more known ones. But his problem is the fact that as much as he's a military tactician, he's not necessarily a great leader in a sense because he didn't. Well, he's, he's, he's very reckless. Is that what you're going yes. to say? Yeah, I was going to say reckless and also very arrogant, they said, reckless. But the fact is that his actual kingdom was growing way too fast and way too vast like there was no way he had to start relying um on locals to basically kind of control his rule when he's he wasn't there like you said he like he conquered left someone in charge and kept on going conquered left in charge kept on going and what sort of happened is his empire basically stretches too thin greetings from evergreen podcasts we're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. It's too big for really him to be able to control because he never stops. He never stops expanding it. Like we said. Nope. So like you said, he just keeps on getting bigger and bigger, but he's not stopping. I guess you want to say what smell the roses or whatever. Yeah. Or So he's just moving on and on and on. And yeah, it's too, no one's had empire this large before. And he, no one can control something that size. Yeah. Especially um, during that time. Yep. His real love worth, uh, was Roxana. Um, and she uh, was, he actually met her uh, in modern day Afghanistan. She was the daughter of the chief. And he, he marries her. She gets pregnant. But actually his son is born after Alexander the Great is dead. And this kind of is interesting as well because a lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of historians to this day are like, well, how did this guy die? Oh, we're getting um, to his death already? Okay. Well, I mean, uh, what else you got? I mean... No, nah, whatever you want to do. You want to get to the death? Let's get to the no, death. No, we don't have to get to the death. I mean, all I had That's was fine. the fact that um, <laughs> well, he fell in love with his wife, Roxanne. I knew that one. Um, there's a lot of weird facts about him. Yeah, I guess I we'll get to that afterwards. We can do yeah. some of the facts afterwards. But all he right. was, like I said, he was reckless. A lot of times he was almost killed um, by um, like enemies. He was, there was one battle where he was almost killed by a Persian when then his friend came and basically chopped the guy's armor right before he was about to kill Alexander. And that's the same friend that he got into a, uh, his name was uh, Cletus the Black. He actually got into a um, drunken argument with him at one day and threw a, threw a javelin through his chest. <laughs> so this okay. guy saved his life. And then Alexander throws a javelin through your chest when he's drunk one night. But um, yeah, they said, and the worst one was he was actually pierced by a, a arrow 
Um, he got a, actually right through the, his lung at one point. And they're saying that kind of probably this reckless behavior of these battle wounds probably led to his um, early death at just 32. Let's talk about this death. Because, I mean, we could always return back to, you know, all the because there's so many facts about this guy yeah. that are interesting facts. Uh, the death does remain a mystery, though. May 29th, 323 B.C., um, he's apparently planning his next conquest, and Alexander Great goes to this dinner party. It's thrown by one of his like close friends. Well, this is after his army said so they don't want to fight anymore, right? Yes. Yep. So what was that? I forget what that was exactly. Um, there was a I battle. He wanted to just keep on going, and his um, basically his army mutant mutinies. They never lost, but they do mutiny against him uh, because they just don't want to fight anymore. And he does he does agree. He's like, all right, if they, you don't want to fight, I'm not going to force you. It's it's the only time that that happens. Um, so he does then say that we're going to return home. And then shortly well, after that, that was in the Indian, that, that was that in the part. Indian revolt. That was yeah, India, yeah. yeah. India, India campaign. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. After they defeat India. Um, that's, that was when they here. first time they were like, okay, we're, we're done with this. Um, and he did try to persuade him to like march further, but they were just like, yeah, they wanted to keep on going. Basically after he, they fought against a King, King Porus. Yeah. And um, Alexander was victorious, but it was a very costly battle. And he wanted to take his um, army, across the Bees River, but they kind of refused and they demanded to turn back. They said, we want to go home. And he and, kind of yeah. like, I were like some debate. He was like, all right, fine. And he's like, yeah, that, point, and that river marked back. the easternmost extent of his entire conquest. Um, that was it. So exactly. So his army's done. And that's also kind of what adds to this conspiracy theory a little bit because. Yeah. Now that it's done uh, getting conquered. Now he dies. Like it's like, that's right. Like At 32. Pretty, Pretty pretty convenient. And then the, so they said it was after a long session of heavy drinking. He started to feel unwell and went to bed with like a rising fever. And then it takes 12 days later with like no strength left whatsoever. Um, he was proclaimed dead at, at, at the age of 32. And there was all this like, well, I, I mean, some people say that potentially he couldn't have been poisoned because it took over a week for him to actually. Than for a while, yeah. Yeah, they're like, well, if he was poisoned, then poison like, usually works a lot faster than that. Exactly, but then but he's, he's, he's of, Alexander the Great, though. Like he's just true. He's, he's too great for the poison. But also, did you know that um, there was an investigation done in New Zealand, uh, the New Zealand National Poison Center, and they looked at a plant that was um, very much native to the to the species, native I did species hear stuff to, about this. Yeah, to yeah, the yeah. area where he was when he died. It was like Veratrum album or something. I think that's what it was known. And it was known in antiquity to be used as poison, and it very much prolonged the course of death. And it, it's very similar, based on what we know about his death and what he was suffering from, and the pains, the aches, and the fever, and all that stuff. Um, it is plausible that he was actually poisoned. Um, and this is this is a theory that came out in like two thousand three, so it's fairly new, but. It's possible. I mean, there's also the whole natural causes. Like maybe he just had malaria. Maybe it was typhoid fever. Was a, yeah, fever, all his battle wounds, his alcoholism, fatigue. They said grief. Um, and then I even just, saw yeah. one that they thought Aristotle somehow had something to do with it and, and might have potentially some, you know, speculated that he had some connections with, with the family um, and he might have really? like wanted him dead. Yeah, I read that one. That was actually from well, the I read Aristotle channel. want him dead though, where it's like the um, motive. Right. Oh, I would have to like. look into that. The premise, rather, here is that first there was one of his generals is kind of comes under suspicion, and well, yeah, there's always that rumor of they say Alexander, please name an empire, uh, please name an heir, right? 
At the and end, yeah, they're like, say something, right? And supposedly he says, you know, um, they're like, who's going to rule? And supposedly, like, this kind of actually was legend, but it's pretty bad, badass if he did say it. As you know, so, um, he just said, you know, who's the, I know who's going to rule? And he goes, the strongest. Yeah. You know, so that kind of like, you know, he's basically saying, you fight it out. If you want my empire, you know, fight it out. And he did have a son, like you said, but his son was... Wasn't born yet. He wasn't even born yet, yeah. And it was agreed, actually, it was agreed upon that it was going to be Alexander's, eventually... They said it was going to be Alexander's half brother and his son, a uh, newborn son, that would take over the empire. But by then, as we mentioned before, there was it splintered because it was so vast. So that all the generals just took a part of it. Started fighting exactly. They started fighting for all different parts. Um, the one thing too is about his death. So he's proclaimed dead. Um, but his body didn't begin to show sign of any form of decomposition for like full six days. And um, this is confirmed through many different Greek histories. But, and at the time, the belief was, well, that's because this young Macedonian king was not ordinary man. He was like a god. But actually today, 21st century clinical research suggests that he suffered from a neurological disorder, which caused his death. And they argue um, these new scientists and medical journals argue that there was no signs of decomposition of the body because Alexander wasn't actually dead when he died. Like right. for those five days when he wasn't decomposing, he was in a near state of death, like neurologically, oh, okay. but he actually, oh, they, know, they, don't, they don't know where his body actually is today. They well, we don't know. know. Sure. No, no idea. No idea. Sure we'll get to that. They, they embalmed him in honey at first. Honey. Yeah. I thought that I was interesting. That. They embalmed him in honey. They kind of like slowed the decaying. So maybe, maybe, you know, he was still alive and even did that. And then his, it used to be you could actually go and see his um, body. Um, yep. But it was eventually seized by some of those generals, right? Uh, Polythemy. Uh, Polythemy. Yeah. Yep. They took him to Egypt. It was eventually placed in Alexandria. And his tomb was an essential site for Alexandria for centuries. And then it kind of just like that. People would go and visit it. And then it, then it just like disappears. And it just disappears from history. And no one really knows where it is today. Then you know, It might not even be in Alexandria anymore. But it just it just vanished. It was basically like a spot where people would go, and then suddenly it's just gone. Yeah, no more, no more Alexander Great's uh, grave site. Because doesn't um when I was a different, I know like Caesar. There's always that story about Julius Caesar. He goes like a statue of the Great and starts weeping because he yep, knows he'll never have that. he'll never have. And Caesar's much older at this point. But he knows he'll never reach the heights that uh, Alexander the Great did during his lifetime. Well, the body was in Alexandria in Egypt for quite a while. Uh, yeah. That's that's where they would visit it, what you're talking about. Like, that's that was the place. And then all of a sudden, around, like, 4th century AD is when, like, literally just the tomb just vanished. Vanishes. Yeah, the, all, all records of it. Like, I don't know if that they, – there's just no more – they stopped talking about – when I say they, like, you don't find any more records of the Alexander's tomb being mentioned at all. At all, yeah. It's just um, – it's gone. And, and as we mentioned, the empire collapses into a civil war basically after his death. For 40 there years. Was, yeah, there was no clear error. It just like fragments into warring parties. Um, I'm kind of curious. I mean, I thought it was interesting that like, the whole honey thing where they submerged him in honey. Is that to, what like, you want? Preserve you his body. You want, or you just want to do that now? Just go in honey, see what happens? No, no. I mean, I don't. that's kind of weird, huh? <laughs> I don't like honey. I'm not a fan. I prefer like sugar in my tea. Yeah, some okay, people like the whole honey thing. I don't. I don't know. You don't drink tea. Yeah, you do. You drink tea. Who are you kidding? A little bit, not really. Yeah. Can't all be perfect. Oh. So what also happens here, interesting, is that his wife is murdered shortly thereafter, and so is his son. They actually yeah, but 
kill a little kid. Yeah, because it's just too dangerous to leave him alive. They know that. Yeah. You know, because eventually there's going to be people loyal to him. They're going to say he this person is heir to the throne, which technically he would be if you follow that lineage. So we have to get rid of him now before it becomes a problem in the future. Yeah. All right. Let's get to some interesting facts about Alexander Great because there is some. I the first one you're going to love. Bunch. Did you see the fact that he was a redhead? Yeah, was he really a redhead? I didn't see that. He one was anymore. a redhead. Alexander the Great was a not redhead. not in the movie. He wasn't. <laughs> yeah, Colin Farrell wasn't. But apparently, someone wrote in, in Greek in like first or second century AD. It was the first time that you started uh, having this narrative that his hair curled naturally and made it look red. Really? Uh, again, this is like a couple, like three hundred years later. So like, eh. But, I mean, that theory's been around for over 2,000 years. What else we got? Well, I, have, well, I have one of his legends. Have you heard of the, um, the Gordinian knot? It was this um, – basically, it was this knot that they – the legend was that this knot, which was a real thing, was that whoever untied this knot would become the um, ruler of Asia. So – and um, historians agree that Alexander did actually approach it. And the knot was a real thing. It was basically um, – the knot was – it was tied to the yoke of a wagon, all right? And the wagon was uh, King Midas's father, um, Gordius. And an oracle stated that whoever could undo the knot would become ruler of Asia. So according to legend, Alexander's solution, he said, I can untie this knot. That he pulls out his sword and he cuts it in half. Right? And that that means you know, now I yeah. untied it. There's others from saying no, he actually did untie it himself. He actually was able to untie the knot. But whether they do say that he no matter what, he did actually go to the knot, something happened there, and he fulfills a prophecy because he does wind up becoming the ruler of Asia. Hmm. So the prophecy was fulfilled by right, right, when he goes to Asia and gets India. Yeah. No, I mean, India. He, I mean, he, in a period of like 13 years, he pretty much changed the face of Europe and Asia. I mean, he conquered like... Yeah, and, he's sp- and he's spreading all that Greek, um, I guess, knowledge, Greek culture around yep. the world. He's spreading He's spreading all those cultures. He's allowing these cultures to intermingle. He's, allowing, he's setting up these train networks, which wouldn't exist without him. Yeah, and he's, all this exchange of knowledge, also exchange of things like disease too. Like all this stuff is getting transferred to all these people in that area. Yeah. This massive stretch of land. I mean, towards the end, he had forty three thousand infantry and almost six thousand cavalry. I mean, this was a big, which is army. huge, which is huge, especially by like ancient world standards. Like this, that's right. a big army. So um, another thing I saw is that he was afraid of cats. Did you see that? No, I did not. See and he's not the only. Um, known conqueror to be afraid of cats. Uh, we know for you know just from history that uh, Genghis Khan was afraid of cats. Uh, Julius Caesar was did not like cats. Adolf Hitler didn't like cats, and Napoleon didn't like cats. And Napoleon, yeah. Mussolini did not like cats, and Alexander the Great did not like cats. No, he was I, a big fan of dogs and his horse. What was his horse's name again? I couldn't. I can never pronounce it. Yeah. Uh, Something. B U C E P H A L U. Bucky Fala. Bucky Fala. Bucky Pala. Yeah, one of those. Well, you know, he loved he, his horse. He, he, yeah, no, when the horse died, he named this the place where he died after him in India. Did you hear the story about the horse that the he wanted the horse when he was a younger kid, and his yeah, father yeah. said, "Fine, you could have this horse if you could basically like break this horse." The horse was super wild. Wild, yeah. And apparently, the the reason why the horse was wild is because. Alexander quickly realized he's a little kid now. He's like 13. And he realizes that the horse was simply afraid of his shadow, his own shadow. Um, 
so he kind of moved him to an area where the horse didn't see the shadow, and then he approached the horse and was able to get him. That's what the legend really goes. Then there's the whole fact about the uh, the his eyes that both his eyes were a different color. Uh, one was super blue, and the other one was super brown. I don't know if you saw that, but I saw that was. Well, what makes the eyes super? Well, apparently that's uh, according to <laughs> historians. It was like the the blue was as blue as the sky, and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the black was as dark as night. I mean, that's kind of how yeah, they that's, wrote that it. Kinda, it all goes with the legend. Yeah, it all kind of yeah, goes with the, how uh, they wrote it. The legend of how he is. So that's what I mean by super. All right, don't mess with me, man. That's what I meant by super. He's such a jerk. All right. <laughs> What else do we know about this guy that might be surprising to some? Um, I heard that he smelled really well. This is kind of yeah. Weird. I saw that too. Yeah, I saw that he smelled very well. He was buried in a golden uh, sarcophagus. Yep, which was then stored in a casket. Yeah, but why did he smell so good? Yeah, I was. I don't I know. This was first written in like four hundred like, years after. His people death, actually but... wrote down how he smelled. Like that was yeah. kind of like. Apparently, they said that there was like this most agreeable odor that it, it, you know came out off of his skin, and his breath and body all over was so fragrant and uh, like with, with perfume. It, it, I, what? First of all, this was written four hundred years after, so I think this is just like building up the whole. Yeah, it's more more maybe the legend and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, because I mean, like, who knows? You know, I'd be really curious. Like, I would love. I guess it's and better I, to be said that you like smell good, good or and bad, bad right? Yeah. But what gets me is, and I wish I like, we hear recordings of like Teddy Roosevelt speak and and these and these voices. But like, I would love to hear George Washington talk. Like, I would love to hear, you know, like Alexander the Great speak. Like, what do these people sound like? You know, it's yeah. we take so much for granted having the technology we do today. Be able but, to like, record those things, yeah, for future right? generations. They're not going to so have cool. that type of stuff, not at all. So cool. I mean, It'd be interesting. Yeah, but I mean, she, right now, I would like to just be... go back in time, but like, just watch, you know? Yeah, well, like, and not get like killed. An observer, or, or yeah, like, be like, we would kill. Actually, we would kill everyone with our diseases. We would bring back. So. Like, yeah, well, no, we would start a play. Yeah, <laughs> well, do it be like, um, I'm not saying like, you would sneeze like, and it would be over. It'd be like the watcher from like, from like the what if? Just watch what's going Ooh, on. It would be cool. But I mean, this day and age, please, they're bringing everything back. Do you see that they are filming a movie with James Dean fully recreated with permission from his family? There's going to be a Vietnam War movie with James Dean, who died in 1950s, way before Vietnam was ever even an idea. So look like, what they did with Mandalorian. Yeah. Back but, with Skywalker. Yeah. But like, I think that's insane. But like, that, but yeah, but Mark Hamill's still around. Like he was like, all right, cool, I'll let yeah, you do yeah, it. These but like, these well, are people like that have been. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be the whole idea of a likeness, yeah. Right. So, and I don't think we know exactly what Alexander the Great is. Too long ago, we don't know what he looks like. Like George Washington, no, we have death masks. Death masks. Yeah, death masks. And... They don't have. That. I mean, there's pictures. I mean, not pictures. There's paintings, right? There's yeah. statues. But again, these are all romanticized. These are made a lot of times, probably hundreds of years later. Yeah. Um, it's more. It's more of his legacy of what he did more than anything else. I guess yep. it's agreed upon certain features that he probably has, but no one's ever going to know for sure. I and mean, again, they don't even know where his grave is and where it is today. So it's just one of those things. Lost history, but it's probably like we've saying to close things up. He's uh, an individual that everybody's heard of. You know, everyone's yep. heard of Alexander the Great. Even if you're watching was I was watching my son that new Scooby Doo movie. They're talking about Alexander the Great and that. It's all part of the movie. It's Alexander the Great dog, uh, like Scoob. I so, fell asleep like on that thing. one. It was really good until I fell asleep. But that's not because I didn't like it. It's because 
I fall asleep really early these days. That's what happens when you're. That's what happens when you get old. You know, get to this. Our old Um, old age. Yeah. Well, and one of the last things I kind of like, did you see this? That Hugh had a reputation as a big drinker. Yes, Um, I mentioned that. Yeah. But yeah, he was, his, it was pretty legendary. And that's why a lot of historians also argue that he's, there's a good chance maybe he died from liver failure. That's the amount of alcohol that he was drinking. Nuts. Anyway, I mean, I, I think this is a nice introduction to uh, to good old Alexander the Great. It's good. Yeah, a little bit that's of background right. information, a little bit of his legacy. I do. Um, you know, it's re- how he conquered everything. But yeah. he's one of those. I think they would be nice if they made a movie about him again. But like, it's so hard to make. I remember watching that movie. They kind of said at the end too, like, oh, we'll say he died from this. We'll say he died from this. Because like, what does it matter anyway? You know, like it's yeah. just all these these stories get kind of shifted and changed, and you know, where's the real history in it? And although we have a lot of the real history, where does that end? Where does the myth begin? But uh, you know, he did conquer pretty much a known world at that time, and that's something that is always going to make his name in the history books. You never by thirty two. I'm trying to figure out what I did by thirty two. What do we do by thirty two? We were married with kids by thirty two. Yeah, that's about it. That's it. That's what we did. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even have a podcast yet. <laughs> we didn't even have a podcast. That's right. We didn't Alexander conquered the world. And here we are. I think that's it. So to everybody listening, thank you so much for your constant support. We really do appreciate it. Do not forget to click the subscribe button. Please leave us a review if you are, um, you know, if you like this podcast. If you don't, then please yeah. do not leave us any reviews. Look for us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. That's right. We're there. Uh, you can always find us at www history teachers talking podcast.com i guess that's it we'll see you guys next week enjoy stay safe everybody I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts.